Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where Jorginho somehow hit two posts before scoring. <laughs> I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Uh, Tim, I feel good again. I, feel I do too. Life flowing through my veins once again. I know. We've got uh, points in the hand, uh, top of the table. Anytime we're top of the table, I'm not going to be too sad. No. And we got we got helped out again. I mean... Could you ask for more? I mean, Forrest did a sturdy uh, last year, so I feel like it was a <laughs> they, pretty they uh, redemptive a, a point or two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I um, I feel like it. It's uh, it wasn't like I was down about the team in general. I just was like, oh gosh, this could be a slide <laughs> that we don't come back from easily, and we'll we'll talk well, about how that game started. But yeah, it's. I'm I'm glad it went the different direction. I mean, I was looking at the uh, the upcoming games just to figure out when what the uh, schedule was, and I'm like, I forget. There's so much more of this season to play. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of this season to play, and we still need to be getting points. So yeah, yeah. With with Europa League coming up, we have seven games in 23 days. Oof, that is a a lot of games it's real it's a real it's a real mountain to climb um let's get into it what do you got for a drink this week um so i was just at structures brewing which is a brewery uh, up here in bellingham so i picked up their west coast ipa and it's fantastic it is amazing crisp smooth clean their can has nothing about the name of the beer or the brewery, just says a crab on it, which I like I'm that. All about that. You just yeah, have to you, know. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that it, like I love structures brewing and yeah, this is a great West. I don't even know what makes a West Coast lager. Sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> nice. I have no idea what that style means, but Whatever it is, I'm I'm here for it. All right. Well, that's that's solid. I I am back to the. I'm still doing the mighty oak this week. Mm. I need to finish off finish off my uh, Scotch ales here, but I'm actually digging it. It's still it's still pretty good. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So what's what's your Scotch ale at? Say again. What's your Scotch ale at percentage wise? Uh, this is a nine point two percent. I'm doing a five point whatever percent, but yeah, this is, it's, it's a little strong. Like I have to be in for it for the night, you know, <laughs> it's recording night. So yep, it all, all bets are off for, for these nights. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what do you have for the Timbit this week? Uh, Timbit. And I know we're going to get into it, but there was a great own goal mm-hmm. this week. I think we all enjoyed this own goal, but <laughs> What would be your worst own goal? Like, what your idea? What is your idea of the worst own goal that you could score? Um. Oh, there's so many things that could go wrong, right? I think I should preface this, preface this with I when I play soccer, I'm a defender. I play right back when I uh, play soccer. I've scored three goals. One of them was for my team and two of them were for the other team. So I <laughs> I, I love a good own goal. Like I, 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 I'm here for it. So 
Yeah, I, I'm a. I, I feel like the, the the keepers are always good for a few that they they just can't explain. It just mm-hmm. things go horribly wrong for them. Um, but I do think the missed. Uh, <laughs> I know the eggs. <laughs> I was gonna say the the missed goal line um, clearance that ends up kicking it into your own net. You know, yeah. Like you, you're about to be the hero, but somehow end up putting it in. That's exactly. I was thinking you're going to say like the uh, the miss kicked the one where like it gets passed back to you, and you think you're going to take the kick as a keeper, and you just completely oh, miss yes. the ball and it goes in. Yeah, no, I I was thinking more of like a defender on the on the line about to mm-hmm. make a, the the save, the block, and then ends up kicking it in instead. I mean, as a defender, I will defend that. And say that, like, you know, like if you're on the goal line, it's not your fault, and you trying to kick it away and then it goes in, it happens. Like when you're making those last ditch attempts, it's 50 50 whether it's going to go in the goal or past the goal line. Mm. I do like the, I do like the, um, <laughs> the, just the defender sliding in the box at speed and just instead of clearing it, it yeah. just, fires into the back of the net <laughs> something about the high speed own goals are somewhat satisfying as well one of my favorites was uh, it was chivas usa which no longer exists when they were playing <laughs> the sounders and their defender came up for the ball and tried to head it away from the uh the goal and just headed it straight into the uh the goal as if he was a striker and i love that <laughs> there it own goals are are I don't know if people think they're they're cheap, um, but I'll, it, it, there's something so satisfying. They all count the same, and at the end of the day, if you put a shot in the box, that's what happens, you know. I, I pulled up a, a video of some bad own goals and <laughs> just saw one that scored off of Christian Bale's face. <laughs> or did I say Christian Bale? I meant. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, Gareth Bale. <laughs> Gareth Bale. <laughs> the wrong Bale. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gareth Bale's face. He is... <laughs> I did that. There is something satisfying about a face shot as well. I also, if it's a player you hate or a team you hate, seeing them score an own goal, just there, there's something magical about that. Yeah, it... it <laughs> well, I we got we to gotta get to this, uh, the one from this game, because it was just... It, it was one of those poetic justice sort of things where it, it felt like it was well-deserved. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the game in detail, so I don't want to bury the lead with that. So yeah, let's, let's just, let's just get into the game so we can get to that faster. Yes. Um, so we've got uh, quite a few goals to talk about. Um, so we, we, uh, came back with a bit more excitement than I was expecting. Like the way that this, uh, this team has been not scoring recently, <laughs> it seemed like they needed, needed a game that, um, kind of reinvigorated them. And I think that mm-hmm. they were due for a, a good bounce back game. And this one was hard, hard earned. I think it, it did, didn't, didn't come quite as smoothly as one might hope. Well, I mean, it's, it, it... There's so much narrative to this game, which you have uh, Unai Emery, who I try and forget his name 
but uh, <laughs> Unai Emery playing against us, and he failed miserably against uh, City, which is like the one thing I would want him to do. And I, I was feeling the narrative he was going to beat us. Like it was just like that thing of like, mm-hmm. you know lost against city but gonna destroy us and so going into the game I was uh nervous what, what were your feelings going into the game um yeah i thought they could definitely give us some trouble i i, I wasn't feeling ultra confident i did feel like the the slide was on like there was mm-hmm. it, it could have it like i said it could have gone either way i didn't i wasn't feeling like um on the day of, you know, there was a couple changes in the lineup and uh, I don't know, it, it, it was, it, it had me feeling a little trepidatious and then the game started and it was, it was off to a, a start. <laughs> you, you mentioned the changes to the lineup. Uh, what do you think about Martinelli being dropped? Uh, I was kind of glad for it. I, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I think you you always hope that players can play through stuff and and be fine, but I think there's more of an argument to be made for resting players and giving them opportunities off the bench where they can come in with fresh legs against tired legs. And I think for a player like Martinelli, Martinelli, who's needing a boost of confidence, coming off the bench and um, having an impact, I think it is it it can definitely reinvigorate a player. And we've seen some good. Um, substitution performances from him in the past. So uh, I felt it was good to to see um, Dressard get the the start. I think he's been he's been a bright spot since he's come in. So I, I not surprised he was he he worked his way into the lineup at some point. For me, like if you didn't have to manage egos and you're just like uh, playing a video game or whatever, I would start Dressard. And let him work through that. And then you throw, as you said, Marnelli against the tired legs. And that's the ideal setup. I don't think Marnelli would be excited about playing that role. But I, 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 I'm excited about that uh, prospect of that, uh, that starting lineup. Yeah. And I don't know. You can definitely play the matchups with that, those two. And I think they so far have... Um, I think Trissard offered something a little bit different and that's nice to have, whether it's off the bench or as a, as a a starter, I think he's, he's going to be a key asset down the stretch here because it, when, when you have players that are um, underperforming, it's nice to be able to go to the bench and and have a a viable option. Somebody can come in and and give you something that isn't just a body on the field. And I guess the other uh, notable uh, change was uh, Jorginho for Party, which obviously Party is injured. But yeah, again, I I've been pleased with what he's brought since he's come in. Um, it's different from what Party does. He's very much more direct in in his mm-hmm. passing. He gets stuff going forward in front of him, and. Uh, I like it. I like what he's he's done so far, and um, the fact that for the most part, I don't like when it when the ball's flowing through the midfield. I'm not thinking about him making poor decisions or 
not being able to control the ball. I think he he does play it a bit differently than than Party does in the way that he receives and, and moves the ball around. But it, it's not something where it's like a big drop off from what what Party offers. I think they they just offer different skill sets, which is nice to have. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly why you bring in a player like Georgina. It's a uh, you know you remember years back where we had a. Uh, just one game plan. And I feel like at this point in this part of the season, Arsenal has multiple game plans that they can play. There's multiple pieces that they they can put in and change how it goes. And for this game, I I did like the idea of, I don't think it was a benching of uh, Martinelli. I think it was more resting mm-hmm. of Martinelli. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Drop off is the right, the wrong word. It's 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 just a different game plan that we can play, and I think it was the right call. Yeah, definitely, and and it. I think we do need to have just general rotation as we go into a very busy period. Like you can't just keep playing the same lineup every every game. There has to be some. Um, squad rotation here and there. It doesn't have to be wholesale changes. Like on, you don't look at the the schedule and go, okay, well we can swap all these guys out for uh, the Villa game. Like you have to maintain that core because every game is challenging. There's not easy Premier League games necessarily where you can just make huge changes to the team. It's got to be kind of here and there, um, making spot changes and still maintaining the the level that you need to have. And I think uh, one of the uh, problems that happened last year is like we have a lot of the same major pieces from last year to this year. But what happened at the end of the season is the players were just tired. And if we mm-hmm. can, and that was my worry coming into the window was like you, you can't have Saka and Martinelli and some of these uh, frontline players or even some of the midfielders play every single game there has to be some rest and what we got in this window were pieces that we could put in that were not large drop-offs mm-hmm. that really uh made it so that hopefully we can sustain the uh, level we're at right now well the other big piece to our wheels falling off last season was the injuries as well and so that that i think even Played a, a larger role when you when you don't have party when you don't have tyranny when there's nobody off the bench that matches that level we're definitely far much further down the rebuild now and we can pull from a much deeper uh group of guys which it, the injury thing i think is massive because it's we know that party is fragile and and can go down for games at a time like this and to not have a good viable option was playing with fire for so long and it, mm. it it's bitten us before. So now, now that we've um, shored that up, I just feel like it's, uh, we're in a much better position to go deeper uh, already with, with the, the amount of depth that we've added in this last couple windows. And for me, it's like uh, the difference between party and Jorginho isn't that big. I don't think it's a drop off. Cause like, I love El Nini. I love the fact that he resigned. I, I think he plays a part in this team, but when you have the choice between party and Nani, it's very different from the party and Georgino type of thing. You know, like it's like 
we have a player that uh, offers different things, but is still at the same level as party to my mind. Yeah. I think it's um, when you look at the stats in the, in the game for, for what Jorginho brings, it's nice. It's nice to see different types of passes, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to be able to have that, um, that available off the bench, even like not even in this injury situation, but to be able to bring in somebody that, can change up the game a little bit, can see different passing um, and, and give party some rest so that he doesn't have so much uh, wear and tear on his legs. I mean, you, you, for somebody who is injury prone, you have to manage their minutes and to have somebody playing 90 minutes every week that, that really adds up. I, we can't really rely on him to, to be that um, involved through the rest of the season. So it's great to be able to rotate those two for sure. I mean, that being said, they did score against us in the first fifth or the first fifth minute. They scored against us in the uh, fifth minute. What did you uh, feel about that goal? They... Yeah, that uh, that was that kind of fed into the anxiety I had a little bit going into the game because <laughs> um, I was like, "Oh man, here we go! This this is not this is not the Arsenal that we'd seen." Um, you know, earlier in the season, the Arsenal that we we'd really grown to love is controlling that first 15 minutes and really dominating. And this is the opposite of that. Um, and getting out ahead early really changes the game. So I felt like falling behind early, um, away from home, not, not ideal, not exactly what we wanted, how we wanted to bounce back from the Man City game. So I was definitely nervous after that and i I was was feeling a bit pessimistic how how are you doing for me it was such an annoying goal it's like a a, excuse me french it was a bullshit goal like (laughs) i like i was annoyed by that goal like i it's a goal that if you had a good not that we don't have a good defense but if you had defense that was heads up you wouldn't make that that happen I don't think it was. I mean, do you think it was Saliba's fault for that goal? Uh he. I feel like he maybe have he maybe misstepped a little bit. Yeah. Um. But it was it is a uh, Zinchenko. I'm trying to remember. Did he, he had the he turnover? Was out of- he had the turnover and like it was like Jin or uh, Saliba one on one with a what's his name uh, Ollie Ollie Watkins Ollie Watkins and you know one on one on a defender he just you know made the play and put it past it nicely into the goal it was not I think I don't think Saliba showed himself great, but I don't think it was a hundred percent Sleeve's fault that, that that goal went in. I I thought as a team they were pretty bad in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought Zinchenko particularly was awful. Mm-hmm. And I I thought he those are strong words by the way, <laughs> awful. I thought he was um really sloppy with his passing, like uncharacteristically so. And I was annoyed with his perspective shots in that first half. And I was like, this is not the guy. This is not the guy. I mean, I'd heard that he has been, he looks very decent in warmups and practice where he can put the ball in the back of the net. But I was like, 
maybe we should be dishing the, he, he should go back to just being a, an assist maker and not, not trying to take anything on that he's not capable of. Well, I think with Jinchenko, we have to actually have a conversation about, is he actually a defender? Or is he an extra winger you can stick into the defense? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, this game, he didn't show his best defensive work. And I, I, any game, I don't see him. Like, I, I, this is not a, a shit on Jinjago podcast. But that, that, that's where I'm at is like, I think he may be better as a winger as a, or like a wing back as opposed to a true, you know, back. Yeah, I I think when he's at his best, he's way better than he showed in this game. I, it, and, and this is somebody who scored a, a great goal later in the game. I just thought that at least in a, in a first half where Arsenal was overall pretty awful, I thought he stood out as having multiple plays that resulted in goals. I mean, like the, he, he was, he was turning the ball over and they were making something out of it. So I think when you have that direct, um, that sort of, uh, direct contribution to, uh, multiple goals, it, it, it's, it's definitely going to stand out, but I don't think anybody's looking at Zinchenko and saying, um, that was the worst game of his life because yeah, he had his first, her first ever goal. So I think yeah. that's what's going to stand out in people's minds at the end of the day. I mean, at the end of the day for me, it's just like, it shows that like, if you want to be more defensive, he's not the player you put in to be more defensive. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be more offensive, he's the right person to play. It's just like, as I always say, different horses for different courses. And I think this sh- showed his defensive uh, liability. Yeah. I, and I, I think it was, he, he's trying to do a lot and that's, that's okay. I think it, I get it. Like he's, he's trying to make things happen for the team, but um, yeah, you can't, he, you gotta be careful about the turnovers and, and that that's when you're trying to control games, that's, that's definitely a way that where you're, you're causing more work for the rest of your team. That's trying to maintain possession. Just, Gotta gotta fix that. But you know, overall, I think like I said, nobody's gonna remember this this game as a bad Zinchenko game per se. Yeah. I thought it was an average I I, I wouldn't I didn't think like I was looking at the uh this the uh text on the uh, Discord about how bad he was playing. I don't think he was horrible, he just wasn't great. If I can uh, make that a distinction for Zinchenko. But, uh, you know, 10 minutes later, we had a great goal. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like whenever Arsenal's in trouble, it's only a matter of time until Saka pops up somewhere. <laughs> the the word I used to describe it when I was watching it was, a, that was a banger. <laughs> that goal was a banger. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a, not not just a right place, right time sort of goal, but the 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 amount of power he could, he put into that. It's just, it was, that was pure cold blooded. Get, mm. get us back in the game sort of shot. Yeah. I mean, and you know, as we go through this period without Jesus, which I don't know his, uh, when he's coming back, but 
I love the fact that a midfield is scoring these goals and seeing that goal was, uh, I, I, I don't know the superlatives that I can put on that goal. That was a great goal. Yeah, I, it was um, just a badly, a badly headed ball. <laughs> I think it was what I'm not sure uh, who headed that goal, but, or who headed the ball out, but it was uh right in the path of Saka. I mean, he just, he got all of it. He just, yeah. it was perfectly teed up for him. Um, but it was nice. It, it, it's, it was nice to get right back in it. I, that mm-hmm. gave me a lot of hope that this team maybe had more in the tank than I thought. And I was, um, a little disappointed that they, it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that, that Villa got back into things. Um, yeah. You know, it second goal coming in the thirty first minute, thirty second minute, I think. Um, yeah, tough to. I, 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 this one was a definitely one that kind of drove me crazy when he just was like, he, he just looked at it and go, where, where did our defense go? Yeah, there's so much open space for that goal, mm-hmm. and that, that, that's the thing that annoyed me. I was rewatching it before we were on the uh, the podcast, and I was just annoyed by that goal. Like I. Uh, <sighs> And it's hard to place blame on a single player or anything like that. It was just like it, the whole team let him just get that goal. Yeah, and then to have Ramsdale. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he got fooled on that, but he went the complete wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, just not no, no piece of that looked good. Yeah, and then you go to, to halftime and. From everything I've been reading about the the game, when they went into halftime, they had a real talk. You know what I mean? Like they there was some words exchanged, and they, I mean, real talk is a a euphemism. There, I think there are people talking to each other in not uh, nice terms about what, what what was going on. And you came out from the half. How did you think the uh, reaction was from the uh, second half? Well, I do. I do have to say, I gotta go back to soccer real quick because right before that half, um, he 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 did he did something I like to see from him, and it it's it it it's it's something that we we need to probably see more of him, and that's just get, getting up and being feisty, mm-hmm. and and he got he got um, I think he got fouled by Coutinho and got up yeah. and got in his face and shoved him away a little bit. And this was after Odegaard had gotten a foul and was on the ground a little further away. So it, it was um, maybe uh, overdue for him. I, I think he's mm-hmm. he's somebody who gets kicked constantly from minute one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, we, we have a question here. I, I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to bring nope. it in early. Uh from from Joe Robinson. He says, What what more should Arteta do about the rotational fouling of Saka? His tactic so far seems to be to tell Saka that it, it it's just part of how he plays, but unless he gets more protection from referees, I can't see it ending in anything other than an injury or a red card for, for retaliating. Um it's a good question. It's a good question. It's a question that like us as Arsenal fans have 
dealt with. Like you remember the uh, Diaby uh, injury. Mm-hmm. You remember uh, these things that like, if you actually try and play good soccer and these teams have no answer for it, they're just going to rotationally foul you. It's, I mean, I'm reading a biography about Arsenal right now, and that's like the way the game's been played for years in England. And I don't know the right answer. Like when I saw this question, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you deal with that because like there's only so much you can do as a coach. Like the specific questions, like what do you do as a coach? And there's already pundits saying that Arteta is too vocal on the sideline. He's too emotional on the sidelines. But Arteta has a point. Like, I, it's weird because, like, when you look at Neymar, right? Like, there, there is two sides of Neymar. Neymar dives like no, nobody else, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also Neymar gets fouled like nobody else. He broke it. He got his back broken in a World Cup because of his persistent fouling. <sighs> I don't. I don't know the answer. I don't know the like. I, I watch soccer all the time. I don't know the answer to getting fouled like all the time. A simple answer is if you have enough multiple threats, you can't do that. If you have uh, Martinelli on the field, if you have Jesus on the field, or there's multiple goal scoring threats, you can't do that because it's going to be too many um, rotational fouls and. There's gonna be multiple cards and 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 things like that. I mean, what's your answer? I, I actually don't have an answer to that. Well, I do like the feisty Saka. I like mm-hmm. him defending himself, and and the thing I I worry about is that he he does he he gets himself in into card trouble because he he does he does occasionally have a a bad foul in him as well when he's pressing mm-hmm. teams, especially when he's frustrated. Um, so it's, it's something you have to find the right balance for, because I don't think he should be able to be shoved around and, and, and expected to just take it, especially if he's not getting the fouls. So uh, if you're looking to create a, uh, a culture where, where, players aren't retaliating then you have to give them the fouls you know like there has to be some balance on that end that the referee understands that you kind of have to be a release valve to make sure that players aren't aren't getting too hot-headed so you occasionally have to give those give those fouls to players i don't know how you get the referee to call a game evenly to make sure that they're seeing it and and understanding that he's not the type of player that goes down easily like like if he goes down it's because he got fouled hard he's not somebody who's gonna just dive he he actually plays through a lot of crap and i think whatever reputation he has it it i have no idea where it came from well i also think this is where the captain's job comes in i generally don't care about captaincy like Mm -hmm. i think it's in general not that big of a deal but like the captain does have to like show up to the referee and let them know that like, Hey, this guy's getting fouled way too much. And also the team, which I think Arsenal is, has been doing it sticks up for them. Like they, uh, they come up and it's where I love Jaka. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you, you stick up for the player, you let them know. And the, there's a little bit of a, 
maybe you start fouling back. Like, I don't, I, I you know, if the refs aren't going to call it, like you have to maybe let the team know that we're up for it. And that it is a traditionally bad thing about Arsenal, which is that we have always played great soccer and not tried to like get into the dirty side of things. And that's where like a player like uh, Jaka fits in very well. Or like it was a uh, Vieira back in the day, Vieira would let you know if you had uh, fouled a play, one of his players too much and it's on the field and you get that foul. And also letting the other side of it is letting Sokka know that he doesn't have to stand up for himself as it were. He lets someone else do that and he doesn't have to take that yellow card, you know? I think the real answer to this question is that you have to if if he's going to go if, if he's going to get fouled frequently mm-hmm. and he's not going to get every foul that he deserves but if you can get into dangerous areas and get those fouls as he is is going to do to some degree you have to really punish teams mm-hmm. for giving away fouls in dangerous areas like make them wary of fouling you like make them worry that that you're going to turn that into a goal that like that i I think that's a a big deterrent if you can be ruthless on the on the end of set plays and actually turn that into points on the board then teams are going to be a little bit reluctant to to be as aggressive in, in dangerous areas but I don't think we have that player. I don't know. Oh, like, we don't. That's the thing. I think that's the, the answer is like as a team, you have to get better on set plays, but I don't mm-hmm. we're not we're not anywhere near where we need to be to do that. I mean, is that a transfer thing? Like, do you have to get a player that can get that? Or do you think that's a teachable thing you can get from a player? We were doing much better on set plays earlier in this season, and that's kind of fallen off. But I thought we had gotten some pretty good tactics and and I think it is it is about delivery. It is about having a player that you can target. So I think there's some missing pieces there for sure to be more um, on that. But we've seen Gabriel be really good in the air. We've seen yeah. um, some of these other players that can score, but we don't really have like a target person. Um, so it's it, it is hard to be uh, reliant on that. But I think that that is one way you can um, punish teams is is making it a little less appealing to foul in that in that area. I mean, do you think Jorginho could be that player as far as like taking those kicks? Like, uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of a uh, not only the uh, aerial person, but just someone who's good on set kick uh, on goal type of thing. Yeah, it seems like we've got some spotty players that ha- can occasionally put in a good ball. I mean, Odegaard can can do it decently, but yeah, we need a little bit more precision uh, occasionally, or just something to change it up. But there's been too many. Um, seems like there's been a lot of short corners and and things that are they're trying trying some things to get players into space. Uh, I mean, talking about the Zinchenko goal that that but that was off of a corner and and he was yeah. just standing wide open at the top of the box. And so yeah. they've definitely um they're they're working some some uh, some plays out on the the training pitch and it's it's showing up on the field. So if they can get continue to tool those things and um punish teams for turning the ball over in the final third. I think that that is, that is a good tactic and, and can take advantage of those situations that Saka is earning us. 
Yeah, I mean, moving on from the question, and you you brought it up, which is the uh, Jinjago goal. Like you were down on him for how he played. Like, what do you think about the goal? I was happy for him. Any time a player can score their first Premier League goal, which it's kind of crazy that he got this far without scoring, but um, he, you know, he he had uh, been been shooting for a bit. It seemed like he was looking for it. Like he was probably been clued into the fact that he gets himself into good spaces. And so it, it seemed like he, he felt like he was, um, it, it seemed like he was, he was trying some things he hadn't been trying for for earlier part of the season. Um, but when you, like I said, when you're causing turnovers, it, it's a little, a little tougher pill to swallow and, and teams are punishing you for it. But he, he was eventually going to get it. I just felt like he, mm-hmm. he, he had to, had to score eventually with the amount of times he was shooting. Um, and he, he put, puts decent shots on goal, but this was a great, uh, setup to get him into space. And, um, I like to see those, those well-worked, uh, corners. I mean, I guess this is going to be a question I'm asking, uh, which is, uh, Jinchenko tyranny. Like, uh, do you start Jinchenko over tyranny, like based on this game? They're so they're so different. Do you need do you need a strong defensive performance? It's tyranny. Do you need more offensive power or creative power? Then it's Zinchenko. But they, it's like they play that that position completely differently. It, it is not. Uh, it's an it's an apples apples and oranges sort of thing because they um, when tyranny tries to do what Zinchenko does, it doesn't really work, and Zinchenko can't really do what tyranny does. I just think they're very different players, but. Um, what matters, I guess, is what Arteta wants in terms of our tactics. And that's, uh, I think Zinchenko for the most part is going to be what, what we need in kind of finding balance and, and creativity on, down both, both flanks. I mean, I think I agree with you with, which is this game is a game we should have won and we did win mm-hmm. eventually. But, uh, when you're looking at it tactically, if I'm playing Man City, I'm going to start uh, tyranny. Mm. If I'm playing Aston Villa, which you know, I don't mean to be too like uh, forward about where we where we are and everything. You start Jinchenko, and I it didn't work out this game, but I I, I feel it was the right call. Yeah, I think he de- definitely had he and the rest of the team had a much better second half. That was mm-hmm. a, a night and day difference in in terms of their. Uh, commitment and the pace of play, and uh, it just the, it it came to be, came together much better, uh, which I think when you when you can come out and get that tying goal or relatively early in the second half, it definitely set up for a, a very intense final thirty minutes. At two two, what was your thoughts of the game, as it were, not with looking back, but. As it were during the game, I was I was pretty nervous. I felt like leaving with just a point wasn't enough um, mm. as far as a turnaround or a bounce back game from that Man City match. It was just I felt like we had to get three points. That was the most important thing we could do to get out of that that game. Was um, not only for the confidence, but for the. Uh, um, just to, to keep that that lead going, and I felt like that was it was going to be more of a crushing blow if we were going to fall behind Man City. And it, it's 
it it had me a little a little more anxious than I expected in that final thirty minutes because it was just <laughs> I, I was kind of processing the the weight of what every game is going to be going forward. You know, it, it's going to be rough when it's closed like this. Would you have taken it? Would you have taken the point as it was going before the? Because uh, like the the last two goals came in the ninetieth uh, and ninety sixth minute. Like, would you have taken that point? I wasn't. It, it it felt like we were just knocking on the door for the whole second half. As far as I felt like we were, the the control continued to be there. We were playing much better, but. It, it, I, I felt when we were getting close to wrapping that thing up, I, I was like, well, I, a point is a point. We'll take whatever we can get out of this. Mm-hmm. Not really thinking we were going to, but, you know, it, it, it did feel like we were moving in the right direction just it, it, for the amount of things that had uh, not fallen. <laughs> it, it just felt like maybe it was maybe it was not meant to be. And then as you're going on, through that journey and you saw the, uh, the, the, uh, Jorginho shot that rattled off the bars and, uh, went off, uh, Emmy, Emmy's head. Can we, can <laughs> we talk about Emmy Martinez for a second? Because I oh. think you have to contextualize how sweet this goal is. I, so I, the one thing I will contextualize is I love Emmy Martinez. When we were doing like the Jay Leno or Jay Leno, sorry, the, uh, <laughs> Leno, Versus Emmy, I was happy to see him go for that amount of money, but mm. I love that keeper. Mm-hmm. He's a World Cup winner keeper. I love what he does. It was no fault of his own, really. So, you know, even if it's against against Arsenal, you had no issue with his, his time wasting? That is the correct thing to do. If you're, he's not playing for Arsenal anymore. You no, know but I mean? That, I mean, his team was winning and he was doing it. it was, yeah. They were winning at home. I just think that's like beyond ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I do personally think that's just like what players do, you know? Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I don't think he was doing it because it was Arsenal. I think he was just doing it because that's, that's who he is. That's why we loved him when he was a keeper for us, you know? And it is what it is, but yeah, I, I still don't hate him. Like, so what, what did you, did you, did you hear Emery's comments at the end of the game? Kind of calling, calling out Martinez. Oh, I did hear about that. That that was the, uh, the, the, after the, the fourth goal. Because he came up, which I thought was yeah. absolutely like uncalled for and uh, absurd. Because I mean, and we're skipping over the Emmy Martinez own goal, and we can go back to that. But uh, what are you going to do as a keeper? Right, you're one goal down. There's maybe thirty seconds, forty seconds left to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no excuse not for the keeper to come up. You're already going to lose the game if he doesn't come up, right? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you come up? Like, the, the, <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, all right, cool. You lose, uh, three, two is instead of four, two. But yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's, it's really weird because, uh, uh, Emery has worked with Martinez before. I thought it was a, a, 
I wasn't in love with his comments on that. Yeah, I found it interesting that he also mentioned the the time wasting and, and felt like that went against the the tactics he wanted to push out because it was, you know, hurting them as much as it was um hurting us. And and I I do think that is uh, a sign of an Emory team where it's like either there's there's a disconnect in like what he believes is his philosophy for mm-hmm. the team and what's actually showing up on the field. And it's like he like he's saying these things to the press and it's like, are you going to go tell him that now? Yeah, because I don't think he's going to. And that's kind of part of the problem. He's a little bit passive when it comes to some of this stuff. Uh, no, it's horrible coaching, which is like if you have a problem with a player. You defend him to the death in the press conference. You mm-hmm. let none of that come out in the public media. And then you have a private meeting meeting with the player and be like, hey, I wasn't in love with what you did. Throwing out in the press is Emmy is not going to be fighting for uh or for uh uh for Emery. Emery. Emmy Emmy. Emmy and Emery. It's <laughs> yeah. it's Sorry, I was uh, getting it's rough. But like you're not going to fight for your coach if if you get thrown under the bus. It's mm-hmm. it, it is no good coach throws their players under the bus that way, you know. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go down well. I don't. I, I would imagine, especially after winning the World Cup, I would imagine Martinez is going to be looking for a move away come yeah, summer. I mean, at the end of the day, he knows he's a good keeper. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, as an Arsenal fan, I still have a great deal of of affection for him, even that when he plays against us. And it's not going to make him play better, you know. Like I don't right. think it's going to light a fire in his ass. He's going to be like, "Fuck you!" Like I'm going to do my thing, get my move. He's going to get a move. Like he, he's not going to worry about his next job. Whereas uh, Unai Emery is going to have to worry about his next job when. Uh, if uh villa gets relegated yeah and i i don't know it, it seems like for the most part emery's having some success re- re- reviving some of these players uh they look like a, a decent team but if you're clashing with your your keeper it shows it shows some cracks so you, you hope yeah. you can get that that sorted uh but you know for for us it worked out well and that that mark so all all that to set up uh um Kind of a, a what ended up being a, a game changing goal, but I, I totally unexpected and out of the blue, especially from Jorginho, who I did not, you know, you, you, I didn't really expect to be a goal scorer or somebody that's going to shoot yeah. from that area. And uh, it caught me by surprise that it even uh, dinged off the post. <laughs> well, for me, it, it totally reminds me of. Uh, uh, Alonzo for the Sounders, mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. a Sounders fan, which is like every once in a while, your midfielder is just going to take that shot. Yeah. And it ringed off the bar. It wasn't far off to, from just going in, you know? Yeah. It's just actually, right there in that corner. I actually almost, I, not almost, I think it's, it probably should be claimed as a Jorginho goal because like it was just fluke. It hit, it bounced off the bars and then just hit, uh, uh, Emmy in the back of the head and Emmy <laughs> it wasn't Emmy's fault it, it, it just it is one of those things yeah and I was fully happy for it and it, it it's it's nice to know that when you're having 
problems putting that ball in the net that, you know, uh, Jorginho can make that shot. And I think maybe five times out of 10, that actually goes into the corner. Yeah, that was, it, it was, it was a well set up shot again because they they seem to be finding that space at the top of the box. Whatever they're mm-hmm. doing to draw teams in, they seem to be leaving that open man at the top. And it, it's it's a shot we've seen Party take. We've now seen Zinchenko and Jorginho kind of set up for those shots. It's a good tactic if teams are giving you that space because when you're shooting through traffic, it, it your your keeper is you know, not always ready. It's, it's got a, uh, a lot of players that it can bounce off of and redirect. And so it's, it, when you have that, that opportunity to really put your laces through the ball and you have the time and space, it, it's stuff's going to happen. You're going to create yeah. something out of it. I mean, it's a desperation shot. Like, uh, it was obviously we were not getting joy. I'm not going to talk about Nankedia cause it's my new year's mm. resolution, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, if things aren't working in the box, having the option of having players shoot outside of the box was is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. As you said, like it, it creates those opportunities. Yeah, and it's it uh, set up that situation we spoke of where uh, Villa gets a a goal. Uh, excuse me, gets a free kick in a dangerous area. I can't remember if it was a free kick or a, a, a corner. It was a corner. Might have been corner. Um, but it everybody pushes up. Keepers up. Keeper comes up as you mm-hmm. do. Um, because I agree. Like if like, what do you have to lose? Yeah, you're already a goal down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it, it is one of those things that everybody is worried about. But you see. More more often than not, it gets flubbed by the attacking player mm-hmm. who gets who panics when they have the um, the ball bounce to their feet. The keepers out of the goal, and all of a sudden they take a pr- long perspective shot trying to score from midfield or something. But this this happened to fall at uh, Vieira's feet, and he didn't mm. panic. He charged and found Martinelli with all the space in the world to to score this goal. And it's so rare to see two players who <laughs> are, are celebrating before they uh, even come anywhere near the net, but they were yeah. both of them pretty certain uh, that it was going to be a goal. I mean, that's the thing too. And like, as I said earlier in this podcast, in an ideal world, I'd actually hold off Martinelli, put him in the 65, 60 or 75th minute. If I was playing FIFA, that's exactly how I'd manage the team because I don't have to worry about, you know, players' egos. But mm-hmm. putting Marnelli against a tired defense, he had fresh legs, and that's what made it work. You know, mm-hmm. and it was a pinpoint pass, really, because we that that again, like when you get in those two on one, uh, two on two situations, um, we it's, it is. It, it requires that sort of pass into space that you can thread the needle and get Martinelli op- open into open waters there. He, he didn't hesitate once that ball was out there. He was, he was hungry for that goal for sure. Uh. Yeah. So it, it was, it was definitely something that hopefully will get Martinelli firing again. Cause even if it is an open, open goal goal, yeah. it, it is something that, uh, 
I think get your get your juices flowing again. Exactly, and I I, I actually do believe Arteta when he was saying it wasn't like because we all know that Martinelli hasn't been performing the last couple games, but yeah. I think it was like a it was definitely a, a rest situation as opposed to like you're not performing situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'd seen we'd seen uh, Ben White take the bench in the um, previous match, and that didn't feel like it was necessarily about White's performances, mm-hmm. but more about what what tactically Arteta needed to get out of the team. Um, and it, it 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 is it's it's just nice to be able to see different things. I understand that that ideally Arteta wants to play the the best 11 at all times um he's got his guys but if you can bring in a guy like martinelli off the bench your team is just better for it 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 really makes a difference when you have five subs and you can really take it turn the screws at the end of end of games and i think this time um you know getting Jorginho the the minutes in this game getting a, a goal out of martinelli off the bench I think Arteta got some things right. And he, you know, it's not like he had a choice with the Georgina thing, but um, you know, at least in, in terms of recruitment and building this team out, things are definitely uh, looking much better than we did last season. And looking at the end of the game, do you think four two was flattering? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think definitely Villa played. A, a pretty decent game. So to get two goals out of there, it was kind of cruel. I think one, a three, two scoreline would have been uh, probably the more honest uh, result. I guess like, uh, yeah, obviously the four, uh, two is flattering, but do you think the three, two would have been flattering for this game? Or do you think Arsenal just deserved the win? I think that second half proof, we deserve the win. I think, um, they just looked like a much better team, much closer to what I expect from them in terms of the uh, uh, intensity and the uh, the ability to make things happen a little bit more. Like in in um, in in some of these games recently, it just it looked like they were out of gas and out of ideas, and this looked a little bit more sharp, a little bit more like they were trying some things. And um, although it took till uh, extra time to get the, get the goals. They, they, they were attempting to make, make things happen. And I think that fight, that mentality is really important that they're still showing that even after, um, the game earlier in the week, I think you have to show that there's not any, any fear left in this team and they have to get back to playing that fearless, uh, ball that, that Arteta was, was preaching about earlier in the season and finding their way again to play like that again. Yeah, I mean, and then if you're ready to move on from this game, unless are there anything else you want to put on this game? Uh, no, I think I think that was the main main thing. Um, I did want to point out, um, we did get an Emil Smith throw sighting on the bench. Ooh, I'm I'm ready. Bring him I- back. I uh, obsessively follow uh, uh, Arsenal on YouTube and the last uh, thing they put on before, it was last night when I got home from work, they were showing the uh, practice and he is in full practice right now. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm 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 very excited to see that because he he I mean obviously it's edited to make everyone look good in these uh, YouTube videos, but he looked very good in that practice. Yeah, I'm I'm very ready to see him uh, start taking some minutes from Jaka to hopefully get some rotational minutes uh, for Europa League coming up as well. Uh, I think he's he's I, he needs to be back in a position where he can be pushing for the starting lineup again. So you think he takes the uh, Jaka position? I think that's I he he has the the men mentality of a 10 where he can be creative and play behind the strikers. But I think ultimately he's, he's more of a box to box eight sort of player where he can, um, I think long-term that's where I would see him fitting in, in this, in this lineup. For me, that's new. Like I would, I wouldn't have put him as a a jocker replacement, but I do like that idea actually. Cause he can float into those areas that get created down that wing and, and, play those triangles with uh, Martinelli and um, Zinchenko. I just think that's that's a really good looking left side. Yeah, because like he's not going to, he's like third string at this point on that side of, a you know, a Trissard or, or a Martinelli. Yeah. So that's a position he can take up. Uh, I mean, my, my big concern for him taking that position is like, does he have the defensive ability to do that? I think he's got the work rate. I think that is, um, I think tactically he understands the game really well. So I think he's, he, he's worked his way up in this Arteta system. And I think that he, he knows what needs to be done as far as the defensive, uh, responsibilities in that, in that team. So I, and, and I guess the concern would be how, how well does he play with Zinchenko? Um, and, and we haven't seen much of that really. But yeah. that that would be the the chemistry that we would need to really work out because if Zinchenko can play behind uh, Neil Smith Rowe and allow him to get forward and make some nice runs into the box, uh, I think that could be really fruitful down that left side. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see it. Oh, me too. It's time. Ta- it's about time. I'm, I'm ready for I'm ready for Neil Smith Rowe to come back. I mean, I know you're a big ESR fan, so. Hmm. I, I didn't realize I miss I would miss him so much. I mean, for me, he's a player that uh, next window I wouldn't hate selling, but that's a conversation for another Ooh. time. Yeah, he could be one of those guys. I could see it, but he could, like I said, he could be that Jaka that Jaka replacement. We'll see how it yeah. goes. Um. Okay, I think that's it for this game. We do have a game coming up this weekend. Uh, Lester is is in town i can't remember if this is a home game yeah you look up that i'm gonna look up the uh the last results uh it looks like we are away yeah i mean like their last results have been pretty interesting because they uh beat villa for two which sounds familiar (laughs) They lost to Tottenham four one. They, they won. Beat, they they won against Tottenham. I'm sorry. They won against Tottenham four one, and then they lost to uh, United three uh, zero. I don't know what to say about this. Last year's team. <laughs> I think that's a team that's going to want to bounce back against us. I mean, they they they've been doing better, so I don't think we can count them out yet. 
I think every every game's hard, and it's, they're yeah. not going to play as easy at, at all. I mean, that's the Premier League, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> every game is hard. Uh, they're toward the bottom ish of the table, but it's a yeah. I mean, like uh, at this point, we could lose to them. I think we're a better team than them. I'm putting all these caveats on that. Like, I think we're a better team. We are definitely a better team. And it's... I think we're going to have our strongest starting lineup without Jesus. And we should put some goals in and score and and win. But, yeah. (laughs) I'm... That being said, I'm bracing for a loss. Oh, don't say that. No, I th- that I I want to I want to believe that a last minute win is is what this team needed as a shot in the arm to not fall back into the bad pattern that they were in before. <laughs> so I think Leicester could be a very good uh, continuation of the rebound, and uh, it's I I, I don't want to count count them out. I think they will we will definitely. Be a, a tough team, but I, I do think if you are looking at what this team can do, there is there's still some fight left in them. What we need right now is players like Eddie and Kedia to to wake back up again and get us across the finish line here because it, we just have to ride this out until I don't know mid March, and hopefully we'll start seeing Jesus back in the lineup. So it, it's it's not too far away. I. I'm trying to hold on to my New Year's resolution. Okay. So very, 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 very hard. Uh, what I'll say is Enkedi is a very striky streaker. Or striky. <laughs> Streaky striker. striker. Yes. Striky streaker. Uh, I found the show, t- <laughs> show title right there. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> and so when he's scoring, he's scoring. And when he's not, he's not. And I feel like he's in this fallow period where he is just not finding goal. And I, I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling because I'm trying to say nice things and not <laughs> be uh, too overbearing. But I feel like hopefully this is a game where he can get back into his, uh, his uh, streakiness, his strikiness. Uh <laughs> And I, because um, we need a striker. Because at this point, we're getting goals from midfield, which is great, you know. Yeah, and we're getting goals from other places. We're not getting goals from our striker, and we have no other option right now. Yeah, I just uh, I I'm more than him scoring goals. I really just need him to not get injured, because uh, we need at least one player that can just occupy occupy those defenders. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've heard Chassard can play that role, mm-hmm. which would be interesting. I think it'd be interesting to have uh, Martinelli on the wing and Chassard playing striker. But again, I'm trying to hold to my uh, New Year's res- resolution, so I'm. I just am hopeful that Inkedi uh, can find his form again. Yeah, I don't it, like when we're playing multiple games a week with uh, Europa League and and Premier League going on. 
I don't know how Eddie and Kenny has expected to uh, continue to play at that pace, mm. but he, you know, for a player who never gets pulled off early, he is showing some endurance for sure. We, we just got to get some goals to, to go along with it. I'm going to throw this question to you because I can't answer it. Okay. With honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of his performance the last game? Uh, he was fine, but he's still missing stuff. He should be scoring. I mean, I don't know how else to, to frame it. It's, it's, it's hard to, hard to watch him get into good positions and not capitalize on them. Indeed. But, and as I said, I'm trying to stick to my new year's resolution. <laughs> so I'm going to let you answer that question. Yeah. That's a, that's about all I can say. I mean, he's, he's there, but he's not, he's not making the most of his, his opportunities, but he, he's, you can see is he's trying. It's just, a, a, a striker who is in that position is just going to try too hard until something yeah. falls and then it, it it comes back to them. They remember. For me, where like Jesus is it all like when he stopped scoring for us, it was because they were double teaming him mm-hmm. and we're afraid of him. I don't think teams are afraid of Enkedia. I don't think you double team in Kedia. No, not not at this point. He's just yeah. To it, it, you 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 double team the guys that are consistent, like Saka. Like if you mm. don't cover him, he's going to make you pay for it. If you don't cover in Kedia, he's likely to get in his own way. You know, yeah. like he can he can get above a defender. He can get his head on the ball. He's just not directing it in the right spot. And I feel bad because I'm totally making you talk the trash that I would be talking right now. And (laughs) I'm throwing that on you because I have a new... You can do that. I have a resolution that I'm not trying to talk trash about. (laughs) So I'm I'm just just, asking questions. I'm looking at his... He had a miss here. And it like Odegaard gets him into a good position. And it's just the wrong shot choice. The wrong position to, to take the shot. I... Uh, he's got the right ideas, just the wrong. It, it, the execution isn't there. The I I want him to be better, and that's all I can say. Yeah, I I think it's a problem when your goals come from midfield and you don't have a striker that is frightening. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I'm stopping myself from talking. <laughs> okay, that's all I can say on that. Um. Okay, we've got a we've got one more question, and then we can call it a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a doozy, so I don't know if you're ready for this. Maybe you've got some ideas. Uh-huh. Here we go. Uh, Jonathan King Monilas asks. Uh, he says, "Summer is a long ways away, but who is your dream add to the squad? Give me one for attack, mid, and defense. Oh, and when and then who gets dropped for them?" Uh. I would love Bellingham to come on. Dream. He's he said dream, right? Yep. And I don't he, think we get Bellingham. He's high up my list too. I would I would say Bellingham. And then uh it's Redberg or Red Bull Salzburg's defender who just scored tonight. Uh starts with the G. It's like uh Jav, Jav, it's G V sorry, he literally just scored today for uh, Salzburg. Uh, I and know who you're talking about. 
He was awesome. He's a a, a Croatian, Eastern European player. Sorry, I'm fluffing as you are looking <laughs> this up. Uh, so that's my offensive and defensive, or I guess Bellingham is midfield. And to be honest, I have no idea what the striker question is because there's not good strikers out in the market right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that came to mind, but they're like pie in the sky, probably, as far as we're not going to be able to afford these players. Um, uh, it's a, uh, what's his name uh, for, uh, again, I'm looking, I, I watch a lot of Bundesliga, so I'm like looking at the Bundesliga strikers. Mm. Uh, again, what's his name for uh, Red Bull? He's awesome. Uh, P-Folk, which we all know. Could be mm. could be interesting, but I don't think he's Premier League ready. Their strikers are not great. There's not a great striker market, which is why uh, Liverpool bought a uh, Gekpo. Yeah, I mean, if 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 all things were equal and we could just get whoever we wanted, I would. I'd be looking at Osman. I'd be looking oh, at Osman. Alfonso. I'd be looking at uh, Alfonso Davies, perhaps. Yeah, but I don't know. Um. Yeah, Bellingham was high up on my list. Pedri, I would, oh. I would take him from Barcelona if they had would, to have a fire sale. Would you take Pedri? I don't love Pedri. I I I think I I don't know if he necessarily fits in with what we're doing, but he I think he's going to be one of the better players in that position this this coming generation for sure. I'm going to butcher the guy's name. The defender I want is uh, Joshko. Gavardio. Oh. He's the defender from a RBU Leipzig that scored uh, today. He's real. He's a good player. I'd love to get him. He's going to be absolutely far too expensive, just like Bellingham is going to be far too expensive for what we want. But the, funny enough, I think Bellingham would actually fit into our squad. Uh-huh. I think young British player he plays some roles of uh he's in the positions that we have great players for so i don't know like the second part of the question is who do we drop i know that gets harder and that gets harder i mean i think i said before i'm i'm ready to get not get rid of that sounds horrible but i'm i'm ready to sell smith rope if we can get money, good money for Smith Rowe, I'd be okay with getting getting rid of him. Uh, as far as defense, I'm going to say it. Uh, Gabriel, he's getting older. If we can sell him and get an upgrade on Gabriel. He, is he get, getting that old? He's not that old. He's still pretty young for that position. I mean, for that position, yeah. But like, if you're if you're trying to get rid of people... And you have to get rid of. You have to kill your darlings. That's the thing. I've he's learned. only twenty five. You can't. He can't be that. He's not that. He's not at the. He's not ready to go to the. What out to pasture or whatever. No, no. You have to get rid. Like these are. I don't want to get rid of anyone. I love this team, and I don't want to get rid, rid of anybody. But this is the question put to you. Who would you get? Uh, I guess I'm gonna kind of flip the question. If you get could get the best player for attacking midfield and defense, who would you get rid of on the 
on the starting lineup. I'm not going to say on the team, on the starting lineup. Um, ben White, Party, and Jacka. Oh, party. Party is an interesting one. Sorry, you said the other two, and I was like, yeah, Ben White, obviously. Like, I like Ben White, but like, he's obviously an upgradable party. I'd go, I'd go younger on party. I just think like there's younger defensive midfielders. Like, if I could go and get the best ones out there, I'd go, I'd go a bit younger. And who is your offensive player? Um, I said Jaka, but he's not uh, offensive. He's not, def- he's not defensive. He's still he would be. So you have to think of the uh, the top uh, three. I I think the. I think I would want more out of the Martinelli position. Ooh, so you get I, rid of Martinelli. I if you could get a world class player. Yeah, I think having another world class winger would be ideal. That's um, interesting. That's spicy. Yeah, probably. But then I, I also am like, could, could we could do better than Jesus? Uh, Jesus is amazing, but there's oh. there's players, there are players that are that score more goals that do do some different things. So, I mean, that's a th- strictly speaking, as far as strikers, he's the best. He's he's great for our system. He's, best he's exactly the, what you the, want. out there. If I had like an unnamed player. That was the best in the world. I get rid of Jesus. I agree with you on that. Yeah. But I don't know if there's anyone out there. I mean, would you swap him for Holland? Oh, 100%. Easy. Yeah. I mean, if you if you could get the best strikers out there, I think he's upgradable. But then uh, yeah. outside of that, as far as the real market, he's he's as good as it's probably going to get for right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Who would, like, if you could get uh, uh, De Bruyne. Hmm. Who'd you swap out for De Bruyne? Jaka. Jaka. I agree. Yeah. Even though he's a good company man, but. Yeah, I think De Bruyne is a big upgrade there. Jaka over a party on that? Different roles. I think, I think that it's more like for like as far as uh, where I would want um, De Bruyne to be on the field. I want him kind of an advanced position that he can pull the strings from i would want party as a shield for that yeah i mean i'm we're getting into late night we're all drinking beers at this point but uh <laughs> would you neymar has been uh very mm-hmm. unhappy at psg would you take neymar no no he's one of those players there's there's a lot of players out there that i just think would rock the boat too much mm-hmm. and it like that i for all the talent we've seen that if you are pulling in the wrong direction, it's just not, it's not worth it because he just disrupt everybody else too much. Okay. I, mean, I, I think that has to be considered with it, with a player of his, his quality. It's just like, it's a double edged sword for sure. In the starting center backs then, which is a starting center back that you would get rid of. If you had unnamed Best player in the world, center back. I think you're right. It's got to be Gabriel. I like him a lot. I think he's underrated in many ways. This is a dream conversation, but... Yeah, I think Saliva is a player you build around. Mm -hmm. Like You find a good partner with him as as the, the 
the bedrock. And that's I, you could easily make the other argument. I, I could I could see somebody saying you put you pair somebody with Gabrielle and, and I would be like, yeah, I could see that. I, but I, 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 I would say that only because I could see some people saying, well, he's he's the better offensive player and you need some you need somebody that can do that on this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I said Gabrielle to begin with, not because I want to get rid of Gabrielle. I think the Gabrielle uh, Saliba partnership is amazing and one of the best in the world it's just like if you have to get rid of starting player that's the one i give up yeah in the back that's tough we're gonna as we get into like champions league i'm very curious where Mm -hmm. the team evolves to i mean players are gonna have to go i mean i know a friend of the pod uh jordan jordan does not love Saliba. Mm. And I can see that point of view. He he is, you know, we talked about it earlier. He he's available for a gaffe. He's available for a defensive uh, mistake. Um, it's questionable whether the first goal was Saliba's fault. Like there is that there. Yeah. But he's so young that all the mistakes he's making on the big stage are what you would expect an average center back to make. Like, Mm. I feel like he's doing so much better than most people would at his age. So if he's able to correct some of those mistakes and when he gets to those prime ages, I think he's going to be much more positionally aware, much more in touch with what he can do. I think that's like why he has, he struggles with um, headed balls is like, he, I don't know if he's, he has that confidence yet. I think that yeah. there's parts of his game that he knows are weak and like that feeds into his, um, you know, his psyche a little bit. So when, when you think of him two, three years on, I think he's already at a higher, at a higher ceiling than Gabriella is. I feel like he's going to be, um, when he's 25, he's going to be <laughs> really good. But, it, luckily i think those two are gonna be okay they're yeah. gonna i think they're gonna they're gonna push on into a champions league level team and and easy not miss a beat i'm not too worried about our defense i yeah. just want more goals but that is the typical soccer players or soccer fans uh viewpoint yeah that's what we're all here for <laughs> It is funny how like I was thinking about Jonathan's question and I, I couldn't come up with a defender to save my life. Like I couldn't think of anybody. <laughs> That's pretty I, sad. I, I'm telling you that Gabriel or not Gabriel, but uh, the the guy from Red Bull that I can't pronounce his name is he's legit. He looked good today. I watched that game. He's Is it Vardiol? Vardiol, Vardiol yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, they um I don't know what it is about that Red Bull system. They seem to pull some players. I I mean, we're going to get into some politics at this point, which is I hate everything about Red Bull. I hate the Red Bull system. I hate the what they do, but that Red Bull's Le- Leipzig team is I end up rooting for them despite the fact that I hate everything about them. Like they have a, a Swedish player Forsberg who's one of my favorite players. They have a system that is producing players. Like, yeah, 
you can't you can't defame them for their quality. You can only defame them for their ownership. Yeah. Well, got it. They've uh, they figured out something, and it yeah. it is amazing the amount of players that can pour through those that system. Yeah. Uh, I uh, is it uh, what's his striker's name? I can't think of it. Uh, in Kunku. Oh, Kunku. He's he's gonna go for a billion dollars. Like I, he's gonna get also go for a lot of money. He looks good. Yeah, he would. He he would be a nice dream signing if we needed that position I he'd I'd be take... an upgrade on a someone I'm not going to mention because I'm being uh-huh. good but uh, Ngugo is he's the real deal yeah love those French strikers around here too yeah alright we should call it it's it's an hour and 20 minutes it's time yeah. every time um, my senses are tingling so we must move on <laughs> so Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed wherever you're lis- listening to this, go ahead and hit that button and review us if you haven't done so already. Uh, there's a few places you can get in touch with us. First would be the Twitter, and that is at W of N London. Email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Voicemails can go to anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. Our Discord is the place to be, so if you want to join us, go click on the link in the show notes. Theme song comes from Bobcat, so go check out their website, bobc.at. And that is all for us this week. So, as always, see you at the next gun show.